welcome to the midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever possible. You can get in touch with the show, which is just me, on Twitter and Instagram, at PrimetimeKlein. You can email CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music you're listening to provided by Wasted Talent. They got some new stuff, so check that out. Now, a couple of things I want to get to today. One, the Minnesota Wild are proving a point that I've been making for the last 5, 6, 18 months. So, thank you to them. Um, It would be nice if my rightness could have been established at the place that I was initially right, but them's the breaks. So, I want to get into that as well as some MLB stuff. But I said on Monday's show, I want to do a How They Were Built, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is... I've said it a couple of times about a couple of different teams, Vegas and Colorado, but you go through how Tampa Bay was constructed. They really are the perfectly built team. And we will see what I mean as we go through this. So if you like people listing off a bunch of shit, boy, do we got the program for you today. Let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Um, I was kind of hoping that throughout this whole process, I would stumble on the big trade that led to, oh, well, all of these different kind of things happen, and look at this, now the Tampa Bay Lightning are a juggernaut. And that really didn't happen. This was this really was uh, greatness by a thousand cuts, I guess, is the, the best way to describe all of this. It's difficult to, to set everything up here today, um, because my notes are flying everywhere because we need a fan because it's a billion degrees here in Calgary. But the, the closest thing that really came to that was the, the Ryan McDonough trade as they acquire Ryan McDonough and a piece that they, or JT Miller, who they eventually flipped to the Canucks, which gives them a first round pick, which gives them one of the trades that we will talk about here. So the one that is still being written, I suppose, is David Savard gets traded in a three-team deal to the Tampa Bay Lightning He goes from Columbus to Detroit, from Detroit to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay ends up giving up a fourth-round pick in a couple of weeks' time at the NHL entry draft. So obviously we don't know how that one's going to play out. Curtis McElhaney, the backup goalie, free agent signing, meant almost literally nothing, but he got to win a Stanley Cup, so that was awesome. Nikita Kucherov, he of the controversy over the last little while with A, him not having to play in the regular season, and B, with what he'd done said after they won the championship— That is another thing that I want to, I don't want to say I I came into this looking to prove something because that can provide some biases, but I did kind of want to see like, or just kind of want to show just because they got that extra cap space doesn't mean they were the Yankees of the early 2000s, that there was a lot that went into this. And so Nikita Kucherov, 40 goal scorer, heart trophy winner, picked up in the second round. All of a sudden there, you just win. You, you win at team building when you get a guy that good in the second round, and that will continue for a little bit. They get Mitchell Stevens in the second round, a pick that was acquired from the Islanders for Anthony Pavillier. That trade ends up working out for both sides. Pavillier is looking like he can be a star with the New York Islanders, and in that deal, Tampa Bay also gets Anthony or the pick that turns into Anthony Sorelli. So... I don't know if either side would want a redo on that one. Beauvillier, you could probably look at it as the Islanders win that one from a talent standpoint, but again, Tampa Bay's won a couple of Stanley Cups with Sorelli being a big part of it, so I'm pretty sure they're okay with how that one worked out. And they're okay with how all these worked out. Luke Shen is a free agent signing. That one didn't really have a whole lot to do 
about anything. Um, this one I found interesting. Andre Vasilevsky is selected in the first round, 19th overall, in 2012 by the Tampa Bay Lightning. A pick that was acquired from uh, Detroit along with someone else who I hadn't really heard of before for Kyle Quincy. Kind of a, a nothing move, but at the time Detroit looking to kind of find their way into the postseason still. And you end up getting a first round pick and Tampa Bay, they end up making a trade for a veteran type player that gets them a first round pick. And then they break the rules of that first round pick by drafting a goalie. And he ends up being one of the most valuable parts of a championship team. So again, as we go through this, one of the things that really drives home for me is that there isn't one way to do this. You can draft a goalie in the first round and it can work out. See Andre Vasilevsky. Now don't use that as an example to do stupid shit because drafting goalies in the first round doesn't always work out. But in this case, I would say Tampa Bay is pretty happy with that one. Jan Ruda is select or is acquired in a deal for Slater Cuckoo. There's a couple of other things that go the other way, but Jan Ruda is the big thing that comes back. Slater Cuckoo now with the Edmonton Oilers, a fine defenseman, but again, this is a trade that works out very well for Tampa Bay. We already went through the Ryan McDonough trade. He's acquired from the Rangers with JT Miller, uh, JT Miller for a couple of pieces, Brett Houghton and Vlad Nemesnikov, uh, as well as a couple of draft picks that go the other way. But Ryan McDonough, that is a trade that has worked out very well for Tampa Bay. He has been a rock back there. Uh, Patrick Maroon is a free agent signing. Matthew Joseph is a fourth-round pick in 2015. This one I found kind of interesting. Eric Cernak, a second-round pick in 2015. That pick was acquired in the Ben Bishop trade. I was kind of hoping that would be a string that would unravel itself into being a bunch of different people, and it, it wasn't. It, Peter Budai and a couple of picks that ended up going nowhere. But a couple of these open up some of the... Now, this is 2015. In 2021, who knows what, what's going on? But some of these open up cap space that is available to be used and in some cases abused um, a little bit later on. Tyler Johnson, this is where you get into the magic of what Tampa Bay was able to do. Tyler Johnson, a big part of this entire run for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he was an undrafted free agent. So was Yanni Gord, two guys who were huge for both or for, for both championship teams. But, I mean, to just get those guys for nothing. Again, I have a hard time saying the Tampa Bay Lightning gamed the system when you get a couple of guys who are in your top nine and would be on top sixes and anywhere in the NHL uh, for free, undrafted free agents. A couple of these look like overpayments. And this is where you get into one of those interesting debates about you won a Stanley Cup, so it's probably worth it. That being said, if you're offering a second for Barkley Goodrow, are they saying no? Now the first round pick, like it ends off pay, it ends up paying off, right? Because Barkley Goodrow is a big part of that energy line for Tampa Bay that was able to establish kind of the culture and kind of the rhythm that Tampa Bay wanted to do, and also that trade helps them get over the hump. Um, it was Barkley Goodrow and a third for Anthony Greco and a first round pick that ends up turning into Ozzy Weisblatt. I think that's one that works out for both teams. We already went through Anthony Sorelli. He's part of a Bavillier trade. Alex Kalorn, 73rd, or uh, no, uh, 2007, third round pick. I thought this said 73rd overall. He might have ended up being that, but still, a guy who, a big part of your team for a long time, you get him in the third round, nailed that one. Blake Coleman is another one that maybe you gave up too much. It's Nolan Foote and a first round pick. 
that first round pick is a bonus pick for JT Miller. So you trade JT Miller, it A, frees up the cap space that you need to be able to keep some of your guys around for another year. B, you're able to flip that first round pick. Do you get a ton forward in Blake Coleman? Eh, but he is, again, part of that energy, part of that depth, part of that culture that the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to establish. So I would say that one ends up working out. Victor Hedman is the second overall pick in 2009. Steven Stamkos, the first overall pick in 2008. So there you have your cornerstones. And this is where it gets tricky when you're looking at rebuilding teams. Because we've seen with the Oilers before, it doesn't always work out. And there are other examples. The Oilers get picked on way too much. But this is an example where they tanked and were bad at the right time, and they got two cornerstones of their franchise. That is what you want when you are drafting high. You look at some other teams. Let's look at the, the team I'm most familiar with, the Calgary Flames, for an example. They selected high with a few picks. A couple of them end up hitting. I would say Sean Monahan has worked out. I would say Matthew Kachuk so far has worked out. However, fourth overall pick being Sam Bennett, you can see now, when that doesn't go the way you want it to, that can end up setting your franchise back. And I don't think Sam Bennett is the reason that the Flames haven't had the success that they wanted, but if Sam Bennett ends up being what you would want a fourth overall pick to be, then things are a whole lot better in this city right now, hockey-wise, than they actually are. And you could even make that case for Monaghan as well, being the, the sixth overall pick, but Bennett being the top pick in franchise history, you get the frustration. When you get those high picks, you need to nail it, or else you're stuck there for a long time. Tampa Bay wasn't, and then they were able to draft and manage very well around it, and that is how you build a championship team. We already talked about Yanni Gord. Uh, Andre Palat on that top line, 2011 seventh round pick. If you get an NHL game out of a seventh round pick, you have hit a home run with that seventh round pick. When that seventh round pick is on your top line in the Stanley Cup final, that is a Pete Alonzo, Joey Gallo-sized moonshot of a home run that sets off fireworks. Like, that, that, that is just... It's perfect. It's perfect management. And the, the, the last piece here, Braden Point, picked in the third round in 2014, which, again, just on the surface is amazing. But there was a trade involved. The Minnesota Wild moved back. Tampa Bay leapfrogging the, the Wild, with just swapping picks, basically, so they can go up, get Braden Point, Minnesota... Um, they end up getting the 80th overall pick that year and a seventh round pick in 2015 and the Tampa Bay Lightning get Braden Point. It's just, there are so many of those examples. And when you go through this whole thing with Tampa Bay, I just, I find it so hard to say that they gamed the system or that they, like, A, the Kucherov thing that they did is allowed. That's why it's not cheating. It, it is It is there. The, the, everyone can do this if they wanted to. If you want to have a 40-goal score sit out your entire season so you can play in the playoffs, th that's allowed. But to look at how perfectly this has all set up for the Tampa Bay Lightning with fantastic drafting throughout their lineup... It's tough for me to say, oh, well, they cheated. They just built this super team. No, no, well, they did build this super team by drafting better than fucking everybody. And is there cap mismanagement? I, I don't see it. All they did was just keep their own guys. That's it. They weren't going out to get Taylor Hall. They weren't going out to try to sign the big, splashy free agent every year. 
all they were doing was keeping their own guys that everyone else had a chance to get. Another part of this Tampa Bay thing that I find really interesting, when you looked at the Tampa Bay Lightning after the 2018-2019 season, they had 62 wins. They were the best team in the NHL by a ton. They win the President's Trophy, and it's okay. We are, this is Tampa Bay's world. We are just living in it. And then they get swept. Cut to, to Stephen A. Smith. Swept? They get swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And you look at this era of Tampa Bay Lightning hockey with the, the, the triplets and all of this. And you go back from 2019, like you look at the, the 14-15 season, they lose, the, the Stanley, the, they lose in the Stanley Cup final, the Chicago Blackhawks. But you're thinking, okay, this team will be back. It's fine. Then they get to the conference finals. Then they don't qualify for the playoffs. Conference finals again. And losing the first round. When you just stack those up, it looks pretty good, but you start to wonder, can this team get over the hump? A lot of teams, a lot of teams would have made some big changes at that point. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people would have accepted those changes would have been fine if Tampa Bay decided to fire John Cooper if they wanted to make a big trade just to try to get over that hump we've seen time and time again teams try that we've also seen time and time again that doesn't work all the time and it's interesting how a resume can look different with that big shiny trophy because now before it was well this team's been in the conference final and they, they went to the Stanley Cup final but they could never win the big one they never won the big one but now that they've won twice it's interesting how those things that were knocks against them along the way, like, yeah, lost in the conference final, game seven, couldn't win the big one two times in three years, couldn't win the big one. Now, those are resume builders for a dynasty. After you after you do win the big one, those couldn't win the big ones just become extra footnotes in how fucking awesome you've been over the last six years. And so when you go back now, 14-15, you see two Stanley Cup wins, one Stanley Cup loss, two other trips to the conference finals... All of a sudden, this is an amazing run. So it goes from amazingly disappointing to epic, incredible, should be mentioned with the Blackhawks and the Bruins and ahead of the Kings over for, for dynastic runs over the last little while. And it's just, it's one Stanley Cup win. Even if they wouldn't have won this year, even if they would have lost, um, the, the Montreal Canadiens end up being a story that no one can overcome. And they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning to claim a victory in the Stanley Cup final. Just having that one makes the resume look so much better, and it turns these things that were working against you into team into things that are actually working for you. My last hockey note today. The Minnesota Wild make the move to buy out Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. It's interesting that they get bought out together after they were brought in together. They still had uh, four years left on their gigantic contracts that they signed at the time. 13-year contracts worth $98 million. With that, going into this offseason, you have freed up a bunch of cap space. There is absolutely no questioning that. Uh, Zach Parise, on his own, was set to make, uh, was set to have a cap hit of $7.5 million this year. So in cap savings, you have a ton, but you best only be signing one year contracts because after this, 2022 uh, the 22-23 season, between the two, just two dudes, they have 
almost $13 million in dead cap space. 23-24 and 24-25 are the exact same at $14.7 million in dead cap space. This would be fine if the cap was going up, but no one thinks the cap's going up in the next little while. And if you want to convince me that this is a smart move because it allows them to protect other guys, there just had to be different ways. And I get, like, you have the cap space this year to be able to sign some of your guys, and that's going to, to be able to help as you have uh, a Kaprasov contract that, that is coming up and you have a Fiala contract that is probably not going to be a cheap one. But it just, it, it really does, I think it sets you up for failure going on further. With, with all of that dead cap looking at it, how, how are you going to build a team when you're starting with a $65, $66 million salary cap in two seasons? Like there, there's just, teams have enough trouble getting under this $81 million salary cap. Now to have the issues of having to get under it with $15 million hanging over your head. The Canucks are complaining about three from Roberto Luongo. And you, you yourself, you're giving yourself a $15 million deficit? I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. But this is where I have been saying this for a while now. It's cute that general managers for a couple of years have been saying, well, we've learned from this Vegas experiment. We're not going to fall for it this time. Not fooling us, Seattle Kraken. You're not getting our fancy players. You're not You're not getting this version of William Carlson. You're not getting this version of Jonathan Marsha. So we're going to know how to handle this. These GMs can't help themselves. You can say that three years down the road because you're going to think, well, we'll have that figured out. We're not going to do it. And now you get to this spot and, well, we'd still like to really protect Matt Dumba. So the only way to do it is to give ourselves uh, $15 million in dead cap space two years from now. So maybe it's not working out this fantastic deal so that when Seattle's in the conference final and one of your guys is playing fantastic, Matt Dumba is all of a sudden winning the Norris Trophy and the Conn Smythe for the Seattle Kraken. Congratulations. You haven't been got with the gotcha, look what you gave up thing. No, you've just put yourself behind the eight ball by like, Almost 20% when it comes to the salary cap. So yes, congratulations. You weren't got by the Seattle Kraken. You're just going to be screwed up with the salary cap for forever. But hey, maybe Jared Spurgeon will sit out the year and you can make it to the conference finals with, with that team. It's ridiculous. And you know what? They're not going to be the only ones. We, we are going to see more of this stuff, I think, as this goes along, all those deals that GM swore up and down about how they're not going to do it. They're going to do it. And Minnesota just proved my point. Thank you very much, Minnesota Wild, for proving my rightness. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent, with X is where the A's would be, and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Last one before we head off for today. How much fun was All Star Weekend in baseball? I told y'all this was going to be a fun All Star Weekend, and it was. I was excited for it, and it paid off. The Home Run Derby was spectacular. Pete Alonso is excellent. 
and is a, a superstar. Shohei Otani, it doesn't end up working out, but still, you get him on that national stage, more people are going to be paying attention to him. You have Stephen A. Smith saying stupid shit about him. That means it's working. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is now a superstar because of the last two, but specifically because of this one, where he goes nuts with a 468-foot home run, you can now start to put Blue Jays games on ESPN and on Fox. You have created this now national superstar, I believe, in Vlad Guerrero Jr., unless baseball gets in its own way and fucks everything up like they've been doing. Let's not have sticky stuff be the focus. Let's not have CBA negotiations be the focus. You have such an exciting crop of young baseball players in this sport right now. Shohei Otani is Babe GD Ruth. Fernando Tatis Jr., superstar. Vlad Guerrero Jr., superstar. You have so much young, exciting talent to build this sport around, so start building. The sport needs it. It's been so negative around this sport. All season, up until this point. Now you have to, have to, build on this momentum that you have. Baseball so rarely gets this type of momentum. They absolutely now need to build off of it. The future of the sport depends on it. So, hey, best of luck, Major League Baseball. Can't wait for game uh, game four of the NBA Finals tonight as the Milwaukee Bucks host the Phoenix Suns. It is a 7 o'clock Mountain Time tip-off. From a tactical standpoint, this series is so fascinating to me. I cannot wait to see what adjustments come. I think Phoenix figures things out. I think they've had a couple of days. I think they'll be able to get it done. But game fours are so huge when the series is two to one. This is either a brand new series going back to Phoenix, or we could be getting a Suns victory lap coming up this weekend. Either way, tonight's game is crucial. That's going to do it for the program. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Remember, rate, view, uh, review, subscribe wherever possible. Give me your feedback. I want to know if you like some of this How They Were Built stuff. We would love to do it again with baseball um, and with basketball as well. Football would get a little bit cumbersome, and soccer would just be, yeah, they spent a shitload of money on this guy. 11 times, and there is your there is your championship team but still I, I really enjoy doing nerdy shit like this so if you enjoy listening to it just let me know uh tweet me i am at primetime klein i almost gave my phone number out. uh you can find me on instagram at primetime klein twitch.tv slash primetime pk might be doing a little bit of that tomorrow um you can also if you haven't had enough of me okotoks dogs I'm still doing play-by-play -play for some of their games. Find us over at dogsbaseball.ca. General History Podcast with my wife and I. This week, Nature Strikes Back. Some of the weirdest animal things that we have found, we talked about them on the podcast this week. It was fun. That is, we had no idea. That podcast out now. Find us on Instagram at we had no idea podcast. Got one more show coming up this week. G Rana is supposed to be back on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking all about the fallout from UFC 264. Until then. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm out.